0: You're listening to Random Fit with hosts, Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for digital media.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, We want to say thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Random Fit with myself, Wendy Batts, and co-host and friend, Ken Miller. So Ken, today's topic, flexibility. Is it relative? It (laughs) is. It is. (laughs) It is, you need it, (laughs) but there's something called relative flexibility, which is going to be really what we're going to focus a lot on because some people are like, you know what, can you do the splits or look how far I can, you know, when I am bending a certain way, look how far I can go. And sometimes, you know, looking how far you can go isn't always the best thing for your joints. And so that's really when we talk about relative flexibility, the topic we're going to dive deep into today.
0: Yeah. And so for this one I, I think when it comes to flexibility you think range of motion how far can my bones go you know relative one over the other but i think the other question is you know just because you can should you right <laughs> so so i and i know you've worked with your share of clients and athletes uh, alike and they might you know be so proud of their their range of motion look how far you know like you just said when Look how far I can bring my arm. Look how far my, my hips can go. And then once you really get down to the nitty gritty and you are looking at, okay, well, is it really coming from that area? Right. Or is it something to where you're, you're stealing from one area to get it out of another. So when I have a player, let's say a baseball player that says, yeah, I've got all of this range of motion with my shoulder external rotation but then you watch their spine and you see that they are bending and extending through that whole spine for them to get that shoulder all the way back. But once you kind of tease things out a little bit and you have a chance to look at, okay, well, what's really going on at the shoulder? Cause this is what I see what's happening at the low back. And maybe that's why your arm is able to get to where it's going.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important that we, we talk about, your body in general i mean you know when we as as trainers and coaches can we talk about these five kinetic chain checkpoints where your feet are pointed straight ahead and you know your knees are properly aligned over the second and third toe and then you know you've got a neutral position in your hips and shoulders as well as your head so when you're looking at someone it's like they're standing in this unbelievable you know position which is optimal for movement because of the joints and And just to reiterate in some of the stuff we've talked about, if you're overactive or tight on one side of a joint, the opposing side is usually lengthened and weak. And so when you've got over mobility or you're past what is the ideal range of motion, for example, a lot of gymnasts, we see that a lot um you know it's not necessarily a good thing but it's the it's the path that the body knows and your body's always going to go with the path of least resistance and so if you're standing in some male or you're doing something repetitively over and over such as gymnastics then over time your body thinks that that's the correct position to be in when in all reality if you think about the way that the joints are the opposing side is constantly taking that stress on and that's what can start to lead to injuries or, you know, deformation sometimes because of the amount of time you've been in those positions. And I think that's where, when we talk about relative flexibility, flexibility is super important at the, at the joint, you want proper range of motion, but sometimes too much is too much that can lead to problems later on.
0: Yeah. Uh, that And that is definitely the situation when, when you think about, okay, you can have too much of a good thing. And that definitely plays a role when it comes to flexibility, because like I said earlier, just because you can get there doesn't mean that you should um, because of what you're saying, Wendy, you know, you could be uh, taking it from another area, another region of the body, but it could also be a sign that the fact that, you know, you have, there's too much mobility in, the, in, the, in an area. And when you look at the spectrum of movement, right? The, the more flexibility or the more range of motion I have, let's say within the shoulder, for example. So the more dynamic the joint is, like the shoulder or the wrist or the hips, the more mobility you have, you know, the trade-off there is that you have less strength and stability. So to, to have all of this all of these degrees of, of motion um, also means that you have the least amount of stability and strength in those positions. Um, so when we think about exploring all of that range of motion and taking advantage of it, that can lead to long-term detriment to the joint, especially with the soft tissues that you mentioned, Wendy. Of that now, if if I if I want my shoulder to go back and I keep banging on that end range of motion all the time, then you're gonna it's gonna lead to some structural changes, which again day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, then your body's going to say, okay, well, I'll give you that range of motion, but this is what I'm going to have to do to for you to do that all the time. And, you know, you know, and, and you tell me what your history is, Wendy, but I know that when I've worked with, um, let's say, uh, dancers, uh, gymnasts, like, you know, like you have, like you yourself in your own athletic past, right? <laughs> I have yet to meet somebody who did it competitively for significant amount of years especially in their youth that has good healthy hips and a good healthy low back what I mean by that is they're they're actually pain free you mm-hmm. know for the most part so it's it's hard to meet somebody who's who's competed at the at the high school or even the collegiate level that says yeah I have zero problems with my hips and my low back because of not just the the range of motion but the impact that their body goes through while they're in those, in those positions. So yeah, so with those muscle imbalances, that just comes with repetitive motion. And then again, because I have to be in a certain arched position or a flexed position, repetition after repetition after repetition, those muscle imbalances, Wendy, that you just mentioned, the, the weak muscles get weaker and the overactive or what we might consider a strong muscle being overactive, um, would we'll just have that much more strength in that less than ideal position.
1: Well, and those of you guys that have, you know, followed my path. And when he said that, um, you know, I used to to do a lot of gymnastics and we were competing at a very high level. And one of the moves that I had to do because I was a flyer, I was, I was actually very small at one point and um, we came into the splits. And when I went down, I almost dislocated and partially dislocated my hip which has led to a lot of problems as I've gotten older Um, and they actually popped it right back in and all the surrounding tissue was extremely damaged. So while it was extremely excruciating when it happened, I'm still living with some of those issues where if you see me do a squat, I will have an asymmetrical shift that I have to work even harder on. And I think that's one of the, the purposes for today on random fit with Ken Miller and myself is talking about the importance of having flexibility in the right joints that is, is even on both sides because think about this we really talk about focusing on the muscles themselves and we really want to make sure that both sides are ideal in length meaning that one side like you said isn't working harder than the other but you also have to think about the tendons and ligaments because there's less last like elastic tissue in that because that's what keeps the joint stable and if you don't have that and you overstretch if you will tendons and ligaments over time then you're really causing that joint itself to be very unstable. And so no matter how hard you really work on it, you have to work even harder on a continuous basis to make sure that it stays in good alignment and reduces that nagging, you know, issue that you're going to have, even if you're not moving as properly or as ideal as you want, because of past injuries for that particular reason. So I used to do my homework sitting in the splits, like that's, (laughs) that was comfortable for me and that's what i would do There's and no you know and i paid the price i absolutely paid the price when it came down to being very competitive and those of you guys that also know this i'm very competitive and so i wanted to make sure that everything i did was exceptional
0: <laughs> now now when you would do your homework in the splits would you was that on your own or was your, or was your coach saying okay guys find any opportunity any and all opportunities throughout the day to be in the splits and you said okay well if i If I'm going to do homework, I might as well.
1: Well, again, just because of different positionings and some of the different moves that we had to do, you know, we would go and, and do practices and then I would need to come home and do whatever homework. And so I literally would spread my legs apart, put my book down and read. And that was comfortable for me at the time. Plus it actually helped increase my flexibility when I needed to do the outward splits and whether it was in the air, on the ground or whatever. And so, you know, when you're younger, you don't think about these things and, you know, with me being a, a female, we've talked about youth athletes, you know, especially females being more flexible. I was very flexible and and it was actually comfortable for me. If I try to do that now, I'd probably break something, but, <laughs> but, you know, then, yeah. you know, that's what I felt was comfortable. That's what my coach wanted me to do. And knowing now what I didn't know, then there wasn't a lot of hip external um, activation exercises to ensure that the, the integrity of that hip capsule was safe. And, you know, you're not thinking about safety at the time you're thinking about, well, listen, this is what I need to do for the team or whatever we were doing in competition. And so again, now, if I had that knowledge, then I would know better, but at the time it was what was right is what I was told, I needed to do. And I didn't yeah. want to lose that flexibility. So as if I just sat there and did my homework for an hour or two in it, it didn't phase me at the time.
0: Right. And I, I think you're, you're diving into that area where um, there's there is a difference between what you're doing for your sport. OK, and what you're going to do for training. So, you know, one of the conversations I have with with you know dancers, gymnasts when I have a chance to work with them or when I worked with them in the past is that, you know, I'm training them to do, you know, you know, let's strengthen up the glutes, let's let's get some core stability going on. And it's like, well, one of the things they'll share with me is like, well, that's not what we do, right? That's not what my coach has us do. Well, you know, meanwhile, they're 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 gymnastics coach or your dance coach they're having to do a a ton of back extensions Mm -hmm. right you know the the hanging you know the hanging kips and and all of these things all these things that are requiring their range of motion now i'm not a sports coach in any one of those sports that we mentioned so i leave that up to the coach but when you're training when we're actually trying to do things that are getting you to move better and more efficiently with your body right giving you that core stability giving you some integrity through the hips making sure that we can activate the glutes because uh, i'm sure you'll you'll you know you'll agree with me wendy that you know we we've seen plenty of powerful athletes that still have not learned how to use their glutes learn how to activate turn them on right relative to a stable trunk or hips you know their their hips as you mentioned wendy with the, with the kinetic chain chain check kinetic chain checkpoints being in that to say that 10 times fast being in that neutral position you so you change what's above the hips you change the position of of the of the femur below the hips and then you try to activate the glutes okay though that's just a kind of a snapshot of what i might do with somebody who's got a lot of flexibility but i want to i want to share that there is a delineation between what we would want you to do in the weight room, in the gym to move efficiently compared to what you were, what you're doing for your sport. So I'm not telling you what to do once you're on the mat, once you're on the vault, once you're on the, on the uneven bars, right? You're doing what you do there. That's up to your coach. That's up to your sport because you're being judged, right? You have judges and they want you to acquire a certain shape, a certain posture, a certain form. But when you're with me or when you're training with with the idea of that, okay, there is an ideal position that your ears, your shoulders, your hips, your knees, and your ankles should be relative to each other depending on the motion. And that's what it's gonna take for you to move uh, not just efficiently, but safely to where we are taking some of the excess stress off of the low back. We are taking some of the excess stress off of your knees, depending on what we want you to do to activate the glutes, to get those deep core muscles uh, to fire up, to get your rotator cuff, your shoulder cuff, your hip cuff um, muscles to work. And then you do what you need to do for sport, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the long term, what we are really trying to create here is a durable, um, lifelong athlete. And you can't do that if you're hurt. Right.
1: Right. And I think that's that's the point we really need to stress, especially if you guys are fitness enthusiasts and you you don't have a trainer or if you have children that are really getting involved, especially and I, I use gymnastics a lot because this is, again, what I grew up doing and and. If you ever watch competitive gymnastics, if you're watching the Olympics or you're watching anything, you're gonna see as people come up, they want you to arch their back in their finished position because that's your finished position. That's where you're getting judged. Did you did you own that landing and are your hands over your head? And you're gonna notice a significant low back arch and a majority, if not all of these, these um, unbelievable athletes. And again, these are very high-end athletes. They're at the top of their game or they wouldn't be in the Olympics but look at what's happening at the low back. If you have someone that has that much of a low back arch, think about the compression that's happening at that low back and the lumbar spine. And, you know, yes, they may be able to sit in the splits. They may be able to grab their leg and put it by their ear and hold that position for, you know, however amount of time, whether it's seconds or, or multiple seconds. And so. With all of that is going to become stressful for the joint and I use the hips a lot because that happened with me. It's a very deep joint capsule, that femur. So your leg sits really deep into that hip. And so just the stress of that over time, you know, like I said, is important for that. But now that we know these are the positions they need to be in, you want to really strengthen the other side that way, like you said, you are going to have better mobility throughout the entire joint, where it's not just going to be super flexible, we need to make sure that it's also very strong and it's in the strongest position when it's seated correctly, whether it's in in the shoulder, whether it's in the knee, I mean, a hip, because if not, then you end up having a lot of dysfunction at the, at the knee, because the knee, you know, the hip helps dictate what's happening at the knee. And then you also want really good range of motion at, at the ankle in order to save the knees as well. And so there is things that over time you really want to look at and think, okay, what what is really over um, mobile? And, you know, can you do this? Well, great. If you can do that, keep doing that. But let's make sure that the opposite muscle is being strengthened as well and getting better range of motion, because you may be able to look if you know, certain parts of of your hip when you turn it one direction, it may move really far. But you know you want to have 45 degrees. Well, do you have 45 degrees in internal rotation like you do in external rotation? And usually there's a very big discrepancy between the two. Um, and also again, we talked about you know really making sure that we are saving the tendons and saving the ligaments that surround that to really hold it to keep it stable. Because if not, especially you know some people have done hot yoga. And they're getting in some of these positions that they're not used to getting into, and they do it too fast. And then it leads to tears and strains, and can then eventually lead to even more long term injury if you're not really smart in what you're doing and doing things very slowly. You know, it takes about four to six weeks for your body to adapt to whatever you're trying to do. So don't try to get into a, a position very quickly, just slowly, gradually get into it over time, and you're going to have better results and less chances of anything happening in a bad way.
0: Yeah, and and that does take time. So when i you know, so when you're mentioning, Wendy, that that ideal range of motion through the hip with internal rotation and external rotation. So if you're if you're sitting down and for those of you listening and you're not driving a car or something <laughs> like that, if you're if you just sit on your couch, maybe hopefully you're on a chair that's slightly above um you know, raising you enough so that your feet can kind of sweep the ground. If you think like your 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 hips are going to do like an upside down windshield wiper. So if you, if your knees are out in front of you, you're going to have your hip rotate inward, which means your foot's going to rotate out. Okay. And then your hip's going to rotate outward or external rotation and your foot's going to rotate inward. That's what we're talking about with hip internal and external rotation. Now, it, According to the textbooks, ideally you want to have 45 degrees external, 45 degrees internal. That's what we would consider optimal. Now, when you don't have that range of motion, because let's just say you sit down a lot, so your hip rotators get tight. But if I, if I'm a thrower now and I still have to rotate and extend, and I'm, and I have to take that little step forward. Well, if I can't rotate as my, my lead foot plants into the ground and I have to now turn my hip, over that that forward leg right well if i have to throw and i'm gonna demand a lot out of my shoulder well if i'm if i'm missing range of motion out of my hip again i'm gonna have to either arch my back or actually throw with my shoulder instead of throwing with my body so again you you're bringing up gymnast you know gymnasts dancers you know things like that with the lower body but to to talk about our throwers out there or even our grapplers, right? That might have to be in an overhead position, their arms extended overhead. Well, if you don't have that range of motion through your shoulder, again, now we're just kind of moving up the, the the spine here. If I don't have that motion through my shoulder, I'm gonna have to get it from someplace else. Well if it doesn't come out of my shoulder, it doesn't come out of my hip, well what's left? The low back. Right. And this is where, you know, uh you know having worked with some water polo players, you know, they're 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 in the water. They're not standing on anything. So unless they have good integrity, good core stability and strength that their foundation, their springboard is their trunk. If they don't have that stability, you know, through the trunk while they're, while their legs are doing those egg beaters underwater. Yeah. Then your shoulders are going to have to, you know, you know, are, are doing all the throwing, but if you don't have that stability, then a lot of them are going to have to manufacture that range of motion because again like what we always say also is like you have to load to explode which means i have to be able to bring my arm back bring my shoulder back rotate my torso back if i'm a right-handed thrower if i don't have that range of motion if i don't have that stability through that mid lower back i'm gonna have to arch my back to get that range of motion so now i'm not throwing with my shoulder i'm throwing with my low back and that's where You know, half the time, if I see a a swimmer or water polo player or somebody that's in the water, half the time it's a shoulder issue. But the other half of the time, it's a low back. I'd I'd actually gear myself more towards, I see more low back issues with Mm -hmm. water-based sports than I do shoulders, you know, just because, you know, if we're weak there, you know, you're doing those egg beaters, right? If you're missing range of motion there, that back has to work, that low back has to work. To help support what's happening, miss, what's missing with the with the with the hips, but it's also got to support what's missing in the shoulders. So that back, that low back can get hit for a couple reasons, and that oftentimes that'll take somebody out of the pool.
1: Well, and I think too, it's also important to think about. You know, you may you may wonder why we talk so much about trying to get you in proper position, and we want to make sure that those new those hips stay in neutral. But anyone that's read a lot of research or anyone that's that's really kind of followed something like baseball, I mean, America's favorite sport, right? So you've got baseball and you often see hamstring strains or things that are happening when someone is exploding to first base. That's also a flexibility thing, oftentimes in weaker glutes, because these athletes often have very overactive hip flexors, pitchers you know, runners, you know, all of these motions where the hip is in a shortened position for extended period of times or repetitively. And then it's like, oh, I need to stretch my hamstrings because they quote, feel tight. Well, in all reality, if you notice that you have very overactive hip flexors, then it's going to turn your pelvis into a forward position, which actually puts those hamstrings in a lengthened position. And so even though they may feel tight, like if, if Ken had one piece of a string and I had another and we could pluck it, yes, it's tight, but it's not really tight. It's very taut. And then if I start to add stretches to that particular muscle, because that wasn't the muscle that should have been stretched, then now I'm going to have you explosively run to first base. You hit first base and you dorsiflex, so you bring your foot up when you hit it, you're asking for even more length that that hamstring doesn't have, and it's going to go. And, you know, that's why we're very, you know, we're very specific in the training and it's our job as, as trainers, as coaches to ensure proper mobility through the right joints and making sure there's neutral alignment where needed. So therefore that doesn't happen. And so sometimes some, some muscle may feel tight, but that's why it's important to, you know, reach out to, to trainers or maybe look at yourself in the mirror and see what are your, what are you doing to say, okay, right. maybe it's really not my hamstrings because if i stretch someone's hip flexors that have tight, you know, like that that forward position, then it actually resets my hips, brings them back and gets me the right amount of of length into that um hamstring. And then if i need to stretch everything once i've got good alignment, then that's great, but you need to make sure you have that first before you just randomly start stretching muscles.
0: Yep. Yeah. And and i think you you bring up a great point, Wendy, and this is where having that another set of eyeballs watching you and seeing how you move and where you get movement from. So plenty of times, and you know, you're bringing up the hip flexors and the hips, and you know, plenty of times you get somebody in a kneeling hip flexor stretch because you said, okay, well, we have an excessive anterior pelvic tilt or the front of my hip is significantly lower than the back of my hip. Well, if I put somebody in a kneeling hip flexor stretch, which is gonna address the front of the front of the hip, the quads, Um, if I do a kneeling version of that, a lot of people will will come into it with that forward tilt and say, I don't feel anything. Right. (laughs) So once in that, you know, I'm not going to name names here, but having worked at the collegiate level with some high level athletes and, you know, there's been time more than enough times where I put a team, um, in that kneeling hip flexor stretch and they get into the stretch and they are driving that knee forward. Their knee is like five feet behind them while their low back is it has this big old C curve inside like, and they're still saying, I don't feel anything, coach. It's like, well, okay, well let's back off for a second. Let's address your technique. Let's have ears, shoulders, uh, hips, knee, right? straight down. So if I'm kneeling, that's my down knee. And then I want your other knee that's up and 90 90 degrees at the hip, 90 degrees bend at the knee. Now let's do a little posterior pelvic tilt. Let's do what the opposite of what your body naturally wants to do. Let's tilt your hips backwards so that now the back of your hip is now level or level or maybe a little bit slightly below that front of the hip. Now I want you to pull the belly button in towards the spine, 10, 15% effort, squeeze that cheek of that down knee and almost a hundred percent of them said, Whoa, where did that come from? Right? I feel, I feel my hip flexors. I feel my quads. And they haven't even lunged forward one inch. And all they did was lengthen the hip flexors, lengthen the quad by doing that little posterior pelvic tilt because they were stealing that range of motion from their low back this whole time. So, so this is what we want to do is just address where they're missing their motion, address that joint, like in the kneeling hip flexor stretch, get that posterior tilt, activate the glutes, get those deep core muscles activated, and you're going to get muscles to move in ways they haven't moved in a long time. If you're one of those that has a lot of excessive flexibility or you're getting range of motion from someplace else other than where you think it should be coming from.
1: Yeah, I think that posterior tilt is one of the things that gets all my athletes because they're like, oh, yeah, my hip flexors are great. I'm like, well, let's see. And so, you know, another thing to think about is the reason why if someone has a low back arch, then that's an indicator that the hips are tight. So if you do what Ken just said and you you posteriorly tilt and you add a little bit of squeeze to that butt cheek that's down um, or meaning the knee that's down. So my left knee's down. I'm really focusing on squeezing that left side. I you know I think that's one thing to think about because as you do that remember one of your your main hip flexors which is your psoas attaches to every one of your lumbar spine which is your lower back and so it's really helping kind of put that self yourself back into a neutral position so one of my favorites I dread it because it hurts I sit a lot I I move a lot um and you know at the end of the day I think that I would say that's probably besides the calves that's the second most important that, you know, muscle that I usually have stretched, especially with that anterior tilt, as well as even the lat. So if you only have time to do three stretches, those are the ones that I would tell you to focus on and see what you think. But, uh, But yeah, so I think this is a very important topic, Ken. So I'm really glad that we decided we were going to do it. And, you know, we love the comments of keeping them coming because someone reached out to us and said, hey, I have this gymnast. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. (laughs) So um, hopefully we keep the comments coming and we can talk about topics that you want to hear about.
0: Yep. And that is what random fit is about. So again, if it's an anatomical term, a uh, exercise physiology term, you know, we'll, we'll explore what we need to explore as it relates to what we know our clients need. And hopefully you as our listener uh, can appreciate and hopefully add into into your workout regimen. So uh, Wendy, always good to talk to you and, and get your insight on some things. But for those of you listening to us here on random fit, hopefully you got out of this what I got out of this talking to Wendy and her vast experience with her
1: (laughs) all my issues (laughs) all her
0: issues right so if you like what you listen to today with uh, flexibility it's relative Uh, like follow subscribe download and share comment let us know what you want to listen to just like what Wendy said we'll gladly do our our due diligence and do the research and share our experience as it comes to these topics so On behalf of Wendy Batts and I and the National Academy of Sports Medicine here on Random Fit, thank you. And until next time, take care and be well.